So it's a little bit interesting and a little bit odd to read. As you can imagine, if you were to go back and read something that you had written years ago, you would probably be like, oh, that's kind of weird. Did I really like say it like that? Did I say it out loud? All that stuff. I can actually, uh, whenever I teach you guys here on Wednesday nights, I write it all out, like word for word. It's like a, a massive paper, you might say. Uh, it's very easy. I, f- I find it very joyous and, and uh, enjoy doing that. But I can write it out. And so I actually went back this past week, and I looked at the very first talk that I ever gave to you guys back when it was Edge. And none of you were here then. It was about four years ago. And I read through some of the things that I had said out loud, and it's kind of odd to like read things that you wrote down that you had said out loud. And I don't know, it just gets a little tricky. And so tonight as we read this passage, I understand that you might get confused a little bit as like, is Paul like saying this? Has Paul like prayed this? What exactly are we reading? It gets a little dicey. But what I want us to do in the first part here is I want us to read the entire passage. And then I'm going to kind of come back and break it down into a few things that I think Paul is trying to get across to us. So let's look at the the passage as a whole. It's kind of long, so I want you to bear with me, and at some point, I'm going to stop, and whenever I stop, I want you to say the word that I stopped on. Are you ready for that? How many of you are ready? Four. All right, perfect. All right, throw it up on the screen, and we're going to read it along. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my... Perfect. All right. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of... and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the of your enlightened, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great... Thank you. Next, next section. We got a few more to go. All right. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to... Thank you. And he put all things under his stinky feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, to the fullness of him who fills all in... Thank you, Brody, Brady. All right. That's our passage. And this is Paul kind of reminiscing, but also like I think some of the things that we're reading were actually things that Paul may have prayed out loud, maybe even word for word. He would have prayed some of these things. And so we're getting this inside look at Paul's prayer and how he is telling the church in Ephesus, hey, I have prayed these things. I am praying these things. I will pray these things. This is the prayer that I have had over your life and over the church and the ministry. And I think in this, he illuminates three things uh, that, that, that he's trying to get across to them, all right? They're going to come at you really quick, so just be ready to write these down. The first one is don't stop learning. Don't stop. Yeah, don't stop. Who was singing that? Somebody was singing that. Yeah, that was pretty good. I like that. I didn't even think about that one, man. I need to have you in my, like, sermon preparing stuff. All right, so he says, don't stop learning. That, he says that uh, let, asking God to continue to open the eyes of their heart and to use the Spirit to give them wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Look at, look at the verses 17 and 18 that it talks about this. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Paul is praying for them. He's saying, hey, listen, don't stop learning. Don't stop knowing and learning more about God. Don't stop asking the Spirit to give you wisdom 
Don't stop asking God to reveal to you the knowledge of him so that you can know what is the hope to which he has called you. That is what he's telling them. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm praying for you. I'm praying over you. I'm praying with you that you don't stop learning. Sometimes I think as Christians or maybe just people in general, we, we stop learning. Maybe for whatever reason, we feel like, hey, I've, I've learned enough. I've gotten enough things kind of figured out, and so I don't really want to learn any more things uh, about this. Maybe it's like a sport that you're kind of mediocre about. I'm trying to think of one right now that I'm like, uh, yes, I hate soccer. It's the worst sport ever. I'm sorry. I know. I just lost half of you. It's fine. I take it back. I take it back. Golf. Golf is the worst sport ever. <laughs> Yeah, whatever sport. I have, I have no desire, no desire to learn more about golf. Today they use the word, we play disc golf today, and they use the word scramble. I have no idea what that means, but apparently I described it by saying how we were going to play doubles today. And so there are things where I just stop learning for whatever reason. And Paul is saying, hey, as Christians, don't stop learning about who God is. Some ways that I thought that, hey, we can learn uh, some things. Hopefully your time here on Wednesday nights at midweek or if you come on Sunday mornings for huddle, hopefully those are times for you to learn. But I think those are probably just like the baseline, like the, the beginning. I hope that one of the ways that I have really learned uh, as, as I'm following Jesus is by being around people who are also following Jesus. Being around people who are really kind of committed to the Christian lifestyle. One of the guys that I've talked about a little bit here before on Wednesday nights, his name is Ryan. He's somebody who's really showed me like, what does it mean to like be a good husband and to treat my wife well and to, to really confess and repent and to live out those things in life? And he's somebody who's modeled it to me, and I've learned from him more about God. Maybe another way that you can learn is hopefully reading your Bible and studying, but there's a ton of books out there to help you learn more about God. Here's the basis, though. Here's the fundamental thing that Paul is praying for the church. He wants him to learn more about God. Not learn more about soccer or some other obsolete sport like, like golf or whatever, but he wants them to learn about who God is and how they fit into God's plan. That's what he wants them to learn. Don't, don't lose hope, the hope that which God has called you to. Don't lose sight of the knowledge of him. He's saying learn more. Don't stop learning. Here's the second one. Don't lose hope. Everybody say that. Don't lose hope. Yeah. Don't lose hope. I think the, the church in, in Ephesus was really dealing with this, uh, and so Paul goes to them, and he says this, in verse, starting in verse 18, he says, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He says, don't lose hope in the sight that it is Christ. It is what this glorious inheritance that we have, that that is the hope. This past week, uh, I got really frustrated. Does anybody, ever, anybody else ever get really frustrated? All right, I'm glad I'm not alone. Thank you. This is going to make me feel really good by just getting this off my chest, all right? So this past week, I got super, super frustrated because I am very much a coffee snob, uh, or coffee connoisseur, whatever you want to call it. I think I'm pretty much made snob level. And I got up Sunday morning for church, and I got ready to make my cup of coffee. And every morning I make a pour-over cup of coffee because I'm a snob, all right? And so I went and I, I got the beans out, and I weighed them on the scale, and I put them in the grinder, and I grind them up, and I had the water in the gooseneck kettle boiling, and I had it all set up, and I got my V60 pour-over, and I was everything ready. And I went to go reach for the coffee filters, and I said, hey, hey, babe, Johanna, where's the, where's the coffee filters? 
And she said, oh, I packed them. And I said, what do you mean you packed them? We're living here for like another week. How did you pack the coffee filters? How can I survive without coffee? And I realized that, man, I got so frustrated over something so insignificant. And I think we do that at times. I even had to apologize to my wife to say, hey, I'm really sorry I got frustrated about that. That wasn't, that wasn't cool for me to do that. And I think sometimes we get so frustrated at the most insignificant in little things in life and something like not having the right cup of coffee on a Sunday morning as I'm coming to church to worship God can really make me frustrated and anxious and depressed and just mad at life for something so insignificant. And I lost sight of the hope to which God has called me to which is the glorious inheritance that he has promised, the immeasurable power that he raised Christ from the dead. That is my hope, not is my day going to be good or will I have the best cup of coffee? I can help you make the best cup of coffee you're interested. I know the perfect formula, but that is not what my hope is in. My hope is in my inheritance. In this passage, I find it super fascinating, and maybe this goes right over your head and that's okay, but if it's not, look at this. It says, his glorious inheritance in the saints. When you read that, you might, if you've read anything about the Bible or or if you are familiar with it, you might think something like, oh, they're talking about like we get to go to heaven uh, when we die. That's like our inheritance in Christ. This passage actually refers a little bit to God's inheritance in the saints, that, that we are the inheritance of God. It talks about in other passages in the Bible that God longs to inherit his church and that that is the hope that which we are called to, to live in perfect communion with God in heaven one day. It's a beautiful picture, and maybe you picked up on that a little bit, but I think it's, it's an amazing thing to remember that, hey, God has not called us to have a beautiful, comfortable life. He's not called us to have the best cup of coffee or to have everything figured out so that life runs flawlessly and smoothly. Paul says, hey, I'm praying for you that even when life is terrible, that even when life is, is sucks, whenever life is really crappy, that you say, hey, I have not forgotten the hope to which I have the glorious inheritance that God has in the saints. That is the thing. So don't lose hope is what Paul is praying over them. Here's the third one, all right? The third one is this. Don't forget Christ. Don't forget Christ. That's what Paul is praying over them. Look at the verses 19 through 23. It says, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, period. That's a really long sentence, by the way. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This, this part of the passage is very wordy and very tricky, but this is the point that I think Paul is getting across to them. Don't forget that it is through Christ that all, this, all of this is even possible. Don't forget that Christ is superior, that Christ is better, that, that no matter what you are struggling with or dealing with or, or whatever, that we remember that Christ was raised from the dead, that Christ was seated in a place of honor by God, that Christ is, is, the, is the head of the church and is coming back for his church. Remember that. Don't forget that it is Christ that we remember, that he is the name above every name that is named, that Christ reigns superior to all things and everything. And Paul says, don't forget that. Whatever you do, don't forget Christ. So he says, hey, uh, don't lose hope. Don't forget Christ. Uh, And man, what was the first one? I've already forgotten the first one. I did this the other day too. 
Yeah, thank you, thank you. Don't stop learning, don't lose hope, and don't forget Christ. This is what Paul is like praying over them. It's really kind of this beautiful thing that Paul is praying over them. And so as we think about this, of this kind of admonition of Paul to the believers in Ephesus, and that we get to read that and think about how that applies to us today as well, I have two things that I kind of want you to take away, two things to kind of walk away tonight with and say, hey, those are things that I'm going to, to think about. The first one is this. Paul is praying. This is like Paul's prayer, all right? And we mentioned earlier, hey, a lot of us maybe know what prayer is or have at least heard of the phrase. Maybe you have some way of practicing prayer regularly. Paul does this. Paul, uh, he prays uh, what we call a prayer of intercession. He prays for the church in Ephesus. Uh, and he also gives thanks for the church in Ephesus. And then he also offers praise, all right? So he, he says, hey, thank you, God, for the church in Ephesus. He says, hey, listen, God, would you please help the church in Ephesus kind of not lose hope and help them to keep learning and help them not to forget Christ. And at the end, he says, hey, uh, God, would you just thank you for Christ? Thank you for what he has done for me. That is what Paul's prayer consisted of for the church in Ephesians. Can somebody tell me what do our prayers usually consist of? When you pray, what do you typically do? Absolutely. And typically when we pray, and I'm super guilty, I'm not preaching to you guys, I'm preaching to myself. I'm super guilty of this, that typically when I pray, not only do I pray for things that I wish would happen, I pray for things that I wish would happen to me. Like not, not praying for things that I wish would happen for other people, because Paul is doing that. But Paul doesn't mention at all any prayers for himself. I think as you look at the prayers in the Bible, I said this three or four weeks ago in a different series, but if you look at the prayers in the Bible and you study them and you look at them, it is very few and far between that anyone in the Bible prays for themselves. They are all outwardly focused. They're praying for other people, interceding for other people. They're praying that God would move and work in other people's life. They're giving praise and thanks to God for what has happened in other people's life. And occasionally, and Jesus modeled this, he says, give me, Lord, our daily bread. He might pray for the things that will help me get through today. But oftentimes, our prayers are literally just this wish list of things. God, make this happen for me. Do this for me. Help me get good grades. Help me find that special one in my life. And help me do this and do that and do this and do that. And thanks, God. I really appreciate it. See you tomorrow. I think that it ought to be kind of scary to us that our prayers look dangerously nothing like what Paul has prayed over the church in Ephesus. I'm guilty of it myself. When I go home and I pray with my kids at night, it is often a wish list for God. It is something that has to fundamentally change about the way that we think about and harbor prayer in our lives. And I want you to consider that. How closely does my prayers, do my prayers, resemble Paul's prayer? If you want to write that down on your card, it's not going to be up on the screen, so you just have to put your own words in there. But how closely do my prayers resemble Paul's prayers? You can write down this passage. You can go back and look at it one day. When we pray, I think our prayers look dangerously nothing like what Paul has prayed. I'm guilty of it myself, and I would imagine that most of, it, most of us in this room are. I think it truly shows how like, egotistical and individualistic our prayers are when they are simply saying, God, do this for me, instead of God, do this for them. God, thank you for them. Lord, I pray that uh, they would just remember how good you are. That is something that I think is really important about this passage that we can look at and see. 
The second part, the second thing that I want you to walk away from this, it actually comes in the very first verse of the passage, which I actually intentionally left out. Um, but I want us to read just that first kind of verse or two together. I think it'll be up on the screen for us. I think. It's not in my notes. Yeah. For this reason, this is verse 15. This is the very first verse of the whole passage that I left out earlier. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in our prayers. That's Paul. Paul looking at a church that he had spent a lot of time with years in the past, and now Paul has moved on. He's left, and he's written a letter back to them, and he says, hey, for this reason, the reason that I don't uh, cease to give thanks for you, the, the reason that I remember you in my prayers is because of two things. I have heard of your faith and your love toward all the saints. I don't know if all of you know this, but this is like one of my last nights getting to teach you guys. My family uh, is moving back to the Carolinas, and uh, so this is kind of like one of my last nights teaching for you. And this passage like tees it up so nicely that, hey, Paul has left, he has gone, and, and he looks back, he writes a letter back to them, he says, hey, listen, this is amazing. Your faith in Jesus is amazing. Your love towards one another is amazing. And because of that, I don't cease to give thanks for you. I remember you in my prayers. I hope that one day I will be able to look back that years from now when you're in high school and you're meeting here on Sunday nights and at our high school ministry that, that you will be able to, to, to think about this moment and I will be able to think back and I'll be able to see what you guys are doing on social media and see how the Lord is working in your life and I'll say, you know what? I do not cease to give thanks for these students. I remember them in my prayers because their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for one another. I think it's a beautiful picture of Paul looking back that one day I hope that I'll get to look back and see all of your beautiful faces and, and see how the Lord uh, is working. Some of you aren't beautiful. I'm sorry I lied, especially you with the hat. Um, <laughs> uh, that I'll be able to look back and I'll be able to see, man, how the Lord is working in your life. And I'll be able to remember that. I'll be able to be thankful that I'll be able to, to give God praise and to remember you because of that. I just thought that was a, a beautiful picture that I wanted to kind of end on tonight. I hope that in the years to come that I will hear of that, that I'll hear of how you are continuing to walk with Jesus, that I'll hear that. And when I do, I will say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give thanks for them. I'm going to remember them in my prayers because of that. Those are kind of the two things I want you to walk away with tonight. One is kind of a, a caution to look at your life and say, hey, how much of my life and my prayer life looks like what Paul has prayed? And the other is a challenge that, hey, in the years to come, that we stay connected, that you follow me on social media so you can keep up with where I'm at and I can keep up with you and that hopefully one day I'll look back and I'll continue to give thanks and remember you in my prayers for your love uh, for one another and your faith in the Lord Jesus. So for those two things, I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I just thank you for the students in this room, for the leaders in this room, for their, uh, for their commitment to you and for just the way that they, uh, the way that they demonstrate you uh, and show you to one another. Lord, I pray, thank you for their faith and for their love for one another. I give you thanks for them. Thank you for uh, just who they are and who they've been to me. Lord, I pray that they would not lose hope, that they would not stop learning, that they would not forget Christ, that they would continue to walk with you every day and that their prayers would resemble very much so what Paul has prayed for the church in Ephesus. Let that be our prayer. Lord, we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.